You're listening to The Darien Diaries. Something Survival Guide fam, we're back again with one of my personal favorite topics of all time, travel. And if you haven't already, your 20s is the perfect time to get out and go see the world. Traveling has truly changed my life for the better, and I can honestly say my guest star today would totally agree with that. So today, I brought along with me a fellow Wonderless Sagittarius. So hey, Jess. Hey, girl. Super excited to be here tonight and chit-chat about our favorite topic. You know, we all love uh, running away and chasing adventures, so I'm excited to chit-chat about that today. Yeah, absolutely. And for all you listeners, this is actually the first time me and Jess are like speaking face to face. Um, We have been like mutuals on social media because we're both part of the AF Ultimate Break Ambassador Program. Um, But I've just been watching Jess through the sidelines, through the screen. So I'm so excited to have this convo. So do you want to introduce yourself a little bit further? Sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Jess Mannering. I am recently 29. And I know I do not want to talk about that. But um, I have been traveling pretty extensively since I was about 24. And I have been an EF Ultimate Break Ambassador since around the end of 2019 when the program first started. Um, But I work full time remotely and I am a little social media girly through and through in my full time job. And then I, much like our beautiful host, do content creation on the side. So, yeah, just excited to dive in and talk with you today. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you do content creation. So everyone, I will be linking all of her social media in the show notes. So be sure to go give her a follow today. And if not today, tomorrow. (laughs) Um, But you were talking a little bit about EF. So before we get into our travel stories and experiences, do you want to talk a little bit more about what EF is for listeners that may not know? Sure. So EF Ultimate Break is through and through a group travel company, and they predominantly focus on orchestrating trips for people ages 18 to 35. Um, And the benefits of traveling with them is they do all of the heavy planning for you. Um, I know me personally, I'm such a planner in my day-to-day life, in my professional life and personal life um, with just like my hobby ventures. And so it's really nice when I want to get out and enjoy vacation, but I don't have to handle the planning of every aspect of my day, how I'm getting from point A to point B, where I'm staying, what flights to book, things of that nature. So they handle all of that for you within the cost of your trip, which is super nice so that you can focus on things like what you want to eat while you're abroad or what you want to wear. And that's really the only thing that you need to stress about leading up to your adventure. So it's a great way to travel solo or with friends. Um, I know that I personally went on my first ever trip by myself, and it was the second longest trip that they offer, and it was completely life-changing, and I'm sure we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that, but 
I have just met so many of my best friends from EF, whether it be through the ambassador program or just people that I've run into during our trips that are just like-minded. Um, and it's just a really great way to make friends and see the world also at an affordable price, because unlike regular vacations where you typically have to put all of that money down at one time, you can kind of break it up into small integral payments every single month or bi-weekly to make traveling more more affordable to the regular, regular, everyday person like us. If you are a first-time traveler, if you use Jess's discount code, you can get an extra $100 off on your very first trip with EF. So as I said, go follow her on social. And you know what? I'll put her discount code right here in the show notes for you. <laughs> so getting into the trips, um, let's talk about early travel experiences. So you said you started traveling when you were 24. Can you share one of your most memorable travel experiences from that time? Absolutely. So I think for the longest time growing up as a kid, I really wasn't able to afford traveling to the caliber that I'm obviously doing right now. And so Growing up, I really just wanted to experience the world. And I think my biggest bucket list destination at that point in time as a kid was Paris. And so I, you know, I had such a, such a love for Paris, France, and I had never been there up until 2019. And so I think um, I took a lot of French classes in middle school and high school and the earlier part of my college career. So I learned all about the language and the culture and um, just France as a whole. And I became so infatuated with the thought of like being able to finally get there someday. And it seemed every time up until the year of 2019, when I actually got to go there that, you know, I would try to plan a trip and plans would fall through. And so finally, it got to the point in between my first and second year of graduate school that I took the entire summer off. And I was like, listen, this is the year I'm doing this because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And so um, I think my standout moment was the moment that I finally stepped foot in Paris in summer. It was the beginning of June. And I just remember we were on a river cruise on the Seine and we pulled up and I saw the Eiffel Tower for the first time. And it sounds so cringy and ridiculous, but I bawled my eyes out when I saw it for the first time. <laughs> I saw the Eiffel Tower. It's on film. <laughs> okay. So I'm so glad it's not just me because I felt absolutely ridiculous. I'm like sitting on the top deck and I just start crocodile tears. And again, I traveled alone on this trip, right? So these people have only known me at this point for probably like five or six days. And I'm sobbing, like ugly crying, so happy just to be there. And it was one of those pinch me moments, like never thought I'd be able to afford it, never thought I would be there. And it was just sitting in front of me and I was in such awe. And I've been back to Paris multiple times since then. And it's truly like the same experience every time I see it. I can't believe that. I really, in real life, got to witness something as beautiful as the Eiffel Tower in person. I could not relate more. That has been my biggest dream as well. I did not take French classes before, but I did Duolingo my way through okay. Paris. I did Duolingo my way. <laughs> but seriously, when I saw the Eiffel Tower, at first I just saw the very tip top of it when I was walking up for my trip because it was also my number one dream to go to Paris. 
Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like the Space Needle. But I was just still crying. I'm like, this is such a cool moment. Loki, it's kind of ugly because I was so far away. But then no when doubt. I just like saw her standing there completely and bawling. And when it sparkles, cry, so. when it sparkles at night, it's all over for me. Like I will, I will cry every single time, no matter how many times I've seen it. And I have no shame in that. No, literally me too. But one thing that like kind of shook me with Paris and the Eiffel Tower was I didn't know it was brown. I thought it was silver or I thought it gold. The structure itself is brown. It looks gold when it sparkles at night. But that was like a very surprising thing for me. Oh, I completely agree. It was like, because, you know, you see replicas of it everywhere. Yeah. In the store, you know, you go into TJ Maxx and they have like, you know, the little France section and it's black or like you said, it's silver or, and it's straight up brown. And you're just like, wow, I never thought about that ever. Yeah, no, that's so funny. But throwing it a little back, one of the first things you mention is that you didn't travel because of finances. And that is the number one question that people always come to me and they're like, Darian, how are you in Europe again? How are you doing this? How do you afford this? And you know what? I couldn't afford it either before, but I learned to save. So can you talk about some of the budgeting tips that you did that helped you go on that first trip and how you continue to budget and get those finances to go on the trips that you've been on and continue to go on? Yeah, absolutely. So it takes a lot of discipline um, to make yourself budget for those kind of things. And so I think at that point in time, you know, I was 24 when I went on my first trip and you know, I really sat there and thought about all of the things that I wanted to see in this life and experiences that I wanted to have. And I kind of looked at where I was spending and what I was spending the majority of my money on. You know, I was in my later college years, like I said, I was in graduate school. And so I was going out a lot and I was getting dinner and takeout all the time and trips to the bar and, you know, just going out and doing all of those things that normal college age kids did. And I had to really take a look at that and say, listen, like if you, if this is something that you're passionate about, and this is something that you really want to be able to do, you have to be more disciplined with how you spend your money. And so up front, I had three jobs when I was in graduate school, I worked full time um, at the university that I was attending for the innovation center. And I helped students who were trying to start up businesses, create innovative products and launch nonprofit organizations. So I did that during the day. And then I would have about an hour or two break. And then I would go and I was the executive assistant to the president at a junior college at night. So I worked heavily with the president, the exec board, and then their nursing program at night. And then on my loads of spare time that I had from that, I was also working on my own business at that time. So I had a ton going on, but I really just buckled down. I did my schoolwork. I went to work. I didn't have much of a social life for that entire first year of graduate school, but I was able to save up enough money to afford a very big, large, long trip that I was fortunate enough to be able to go on. And it knocked off a lot of places that were on my bucket list um, all at once. So I really just, you know, I stopped going to the bar as much. I might go out once a week as opposed to like four times a week. And I stopped eating out. I was cooking at home a lot. Um, Just 
small things like that and making sure that you're prioritizing the things that you're passionate about and the things that you want to achieve. Um, it does take a lot of discipline, especially when, you know, FOMO is a real thing and you see your friends going out constantly and you're like, oh, I can't do that. But, you know, then you get to have these experiences that maybe they're not going to be able to have. Um, and I feel like I've carried that, you know, through even now I cook at home a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't go out and spend a ton of money on, you know, designer items and bags and things of that nature. If I want to go get new clothes, I can go to the thrift store or things like that. And, you know, I think it, there's nothing wrong with wanting designer items or material things. I'm just not that kind of person. And so mm -hmm. fortunately it's easier for me because, you know, I don't prioritize that kind of stuff. Um, but it really, it does take discipline and it takes sacrificing certain things to be able to go and afford those experiences. And like we kind of touched on, you know, EF does have those payment plans. And that's another reason why I book with them so frequently is I tend to book like, you know, a year and a half out from when I'm mm -hmm. actually going and payments can be up to as little as a hundred dollars a month. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of a no brainer in terms of budgeting. That's way more affordable than spending, you know, $700 a month on a trip. So that's been a blessing as well. Yeah, definitely. That's amazingly put. And I would say I had a similar experience with saving money for my very first trip. Um, Ever since I was seven years old, I started saving up all my birthday and Christmas money. So when other kids would like take their birthday money and Christmas money and go buy toys or, you know, when you get a little bit older, go buy Uggs or whatever. I just kept putting that in savings, putting that in savings. And I was going to take a trip my senior year of high school. But all of my friends were like, no, I'm not doing that. So then I just continued to save that money. So I saved that money through college, just like you. I worked three jobs in college as well, which I think there's absolutely no shame in that. I know some people that didn't work in college, also no shame in that. But like, if you need to work to get by, work to get by, or like, if you need to work for the life that you want, like go out and do it. I highly recommend putting in all the work so you, you you can reward yourself and have those experiences. But for me, my first trip with EF, I also booked with them because of the payment plans. But also I finally found someone to go with me. So my friend Bailey, I actually was friends with Bailey in college, but we weren't best friends until we took our EF trip together. So we were more just like kind of mutuals, like me and you, Jess. But I like DM'd Bailey and I was like, hey, Bailey, like I see you posting on social media all the time. Do you want to take this EF trip with me? And she was like, for freaking sure. So we booked it that day and then we booked it out for like two years. So for two years, we watched our payment plans go down and then the trip came and then we got to go on our trip and it was amazing. So I highly recommend taking advantage of those payment plans and booking out two years in advance. Because once again, after my first EF trip, I made another best friend, Ashlyn. And so me, Ashlyn and Bailey booked a trip two years out and we just went on that trip. So by being able to book so far out in advance and take advantage of those payment plans, you're able to budget yourself and help pay for those experiences. Absolutely. And you guys have taken quite a few trips together up until this point, right? I think you guys have gone on every EF yeah. trip that you've taken together. That's so cool. 
Every single trip I've been on out of the country has been with Bailey. So I'm really nervous because my first trip without Bailey is coming up this next September. Me and my boyfriend are going to um, Rome, uh, the Amalfi Coast, and the Greek islands. And so it's just going to be the two of us. And it's like a plush trip. And so for everyone listening, a plush trip is a little bit more money um, than some of the other EF trips. But you do a single room with one other person. You get a few extra dinners, stuff like that. So definitely just look into the different types of trips. But since we're going kind of like as a couple, um, we're doing that. So I'm like, Bailey, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Because even I took my boyfriend on a trip to Ireland. And that was the first time he went out of the country. And so Bailey was actually on that trip with her sister. We didn't plan to go on it together, but EF just stuck us together. <laughs> like we didn't even like select each other as roommates. <laughs> that's actually so funny because my boyfriend's first time out of the country was also to Ireland with me through EF. There's so many, so many coincidences that we have going on here, but Definitely. Literally just we are the same person. <laughs> I it it truly seems that way. So that's so funny, but you're gonna have so much fun on that trip next year. I haven't done the Amalfi Coast, but I have done Rome and the Greek islands are just chef's kiss. They're beautiful. You guys are gonna have so much fun. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah, other than Paris, my number one is Greece in general. So I'm super, super excited to see all that. But at the time, my boyfriend's number one was Ireland. We went and it was really intimidating for him because he's extremely, extremely introverted. So being in a group setting was a bit much for him. So we're going to see how the plus one goes, but we still had a great time. He's more of a homebody too. So he's like, I can't leave the country every year. Me, I'm like, send me to another country and never send me back. Amen gotta go. I just want to be popping around. So speaking of different countries and stuff, can you talk a little bit about what some of your favorite travel destinations have been so far and why they're your favorite? Yeah. So obviously we know, we know Paris is my favorite. We already touched on that. It's a tried and true. I will go back to it probably a million more times throughout the duration of my life. And that's totally okay. Um, aside from that, I think I would say Switzerland was the most beautiful place I have ever been. It's one of those places where, you know, you see beautiful photographs right everywhere and it's just stunning. It looks like that everywhere you turn, no matter where you are, it's drop dead gorgeous. So I would say that was probably the most picturesque. Mm -hmm. And then Something that really, really, really stood out to me when um, this past summer, I went to Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, and I was really excited about Denmark, and I truly loved it, but the standout from that trip was easily Norway, and I feel mm. like that was the location that I was maybe, not that I wasn't excited for it, but the least of the three locations, Um and it ended up being just so beautiful. It gave off this very small town vibe. It was a big like fisherman community. So there was the harbor, the fjords are there. It's just jaw droppingly stunning. And the food there, it has some of the freshest seafood I have ever had in my life. They have a little fish market right off the water where you can go and have like these exotic foods. Like you can try whale steaks and they make 
fresh homemade like crab and cod and anything you could ever imagine, they have it there. And it was truly just gorgeous. The food was great. The people were kind. Like it really felt like a home away from home. And it's so strange because I don't experience that often. And I mm-hmm. never anticipated to feel that way there, but I for sure did. So that was really standout-ish to me. And then I think um, the other place that I would say is Greece. That was obviously the most relaxing place I've ever been. I've been there twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say... I liked more of the off the beaten path places as opposed to the more mainstream places. Um, Like Mykonos was great. I don't think I'll ever go back to Mykonos again just because it was beautiful. It was fun, but it was so freaking crowded. And I don't mind being in crowds, but it was like almost overwhelming everywhere that you went. But I will say, like, Paros, small beach town, fisherman town, stunning, relaxing, perfection. So those are some of my top destinations for sure. But there has been, there haven't really been any places that I've gone that I wouldn't return to. But those are just some of the places that have for sure stood out. Yeah, I agree. There's nowhere I've ever been that I wouldn't return to. And I can totally agree with you on Switzerland and with Paris, um, just everywhere in Switzerland, all the different towns that I went to were just amazing. And Paris, my number one dream, the Pana Chocolat was just chef's kiss. Um, but you were talking a little bit about how you felt home in Norway. So that's how I felt when I was in Munich. So my family comes from, well, my mom's side of the family, they're from Germany. And there was just something being in Munich, feeling like I was a part of my roots that was so amazing and so beautiful. Um, What's your background and did you feel that way in any of the countries where your family may have came from? Yeah, so my family is predominantly from Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. So I haven't been to Wales yet. I haven't been to Scotland yet, but I have been to Ireland. Um, I need to go back because I want to explore by car. I would like to drive everywhere Mm -hmm. as opposed to Mm -hmm. just hitting major hubs. So my great-grandfather was born and lived in, um, there's a small lighthouse in a town called Black Sod, and that's where he lived and worked. Um, and so my aunt, my mom's sister has dual citizenship over there. And so she's kind of kept me in with the culture and Mm -hmm. being a little bit knowledgeable about my family, um, just over the last couple of years, because she's uncovered a lot of this information over the past few years. And she had the opportunity to go and visit the lighthouse. I want to say it was in 2021. And that really made her feel like she was kind of in tune with our family heritage. And so, I have been to Ireland and I definitely felt ties to my roots while I was there. It was, you know, just being able to do so many jaw-dropping, beautiful things and realize that my people and my family come from this beautiful country of like evergreen grass and the cliffs of moor. And it's, it's truly stunning. And it was also somewhere that felt very much like home to me. I was very comfortable there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, having never been there, I was 
out adventuring and I knew the food very well because that's something that my family has always stayed tried and true with. Like shepherd's pie is something that's made for our birthdays at home or around St. Patrick's Day. And I'm not a huge beer drinker, but Guinness is always <laughs> in, involved in our family functions in some regards. So it was amazing to go to the Guinness storehouse and just kind of, I could have spent I was, I think I was there for maybe three hours. I could have spent another additional three hours in there just basking <laughs> in all of its glory. But it truly, it was a place that also felt like home. But in the same regard, I really would like to go back and um, kind of go to those smaller towns where my family is actually from. Um, mm -hmm. And I haven't hit Scotland yet, um, but I'm hoping to do that in the latter part of next year or early in 2025 kind of during the Christmassy season um, is what I'm envisioning. And hopefully I'll be able to see some more of the places that my family is from over there as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And even if your family doesn't necessarily come from the countries, how have you been able to immerse yourself in the local culture during your travels? So I feel like it's really important. I'm a huge advocate for trying to live like the locals anywhere that you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's important to not kind of overpack your schedule um, so that you have to run from point A to point B all the time and kind of give yourself those windows to really just walk around and explore. I feel like I have discovered so many hidden gems, family-owned restaurants, family-owned shops that have become such a staple in my memories um, that I didn't even know existed prior to landing in that country. And so I think really just walking around and having open conversations. I know that some people are really uncomfortable with kind of being outgoing and trying to put yourself out there, especially in a foreign country. I know that's super difficult for a lot of people, but I promise that 99.9% .9 of the people that you encounter are going to be really kind and sweet and nice. And um, as long as you're respectful and you have good intentions, they are always going to give you their, you know, tried and true recommendations and hidden gems. And I think of Rome in particular. I was walking around in Rome one night and I had come across this cutie little pub and I, it looked very lively. We were there during the World Cup and you could just see everybody was having a good time. And I was like, you know what, let me just pop in here. And it was so crazy because I'm from Pittsburgh and it was a Steelers bar <laughs> which if you guys aren't like sports fanatics, the Pittsburgh Steelers are our football team. It was a Steelers bar in the middle of Rome, Italy. And I was like, there is no way that this is happening. So I, everybody that I was with, I was like, listen, I don't care if y'all come with me or not. I'm going in there. That is crazy. Yeah. So I walked in and the guy that owns it, his name is Giovanni. And I believe he is from Canada. But he and um, growing up, his family was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And then he moved. His family's very Italian, but they moved um, to Italy. And so he opened up the Pittsburgh Steelers bar. And like my um, old colleges, I went to two colleges during my term um, of seven years, getting a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. 
And I saw both of my colleges. One is a very, very small private school in Pittsburgh. Okay. Both of their flags were up on the wall. And then some of our like famous sports players and old coaches and like they had pictures with the owner up on the wall. I was like, this is, I literally feel like I'm in the twilight zone. This is so crazy. But it truly just walking around and getting to know his story. And I guess so many people from the States, like, go there and connect with people. And it, it was just so cool, but it was a hidden gem that I would have never known about had I not just been wandering around. And it just so happened to have like a personal tie to my life, which was so cool. Yeah, no, that was so funny because I have so many similar experiences. On my very first trip, I got this A tattoo for On the Almo. And it was like the catchphrase of my tour director, Gia. And this is actually in her handwriting. And I got it in Switzerland. And in Switzerland, my tattoo artist was from the States. On the same trip, we went into an Irish pub when we were in Austria. I don't know. We kept finding the Irish pubs everywhere. The owner of it was from Ohio. And I'm from Ohio. And like, I'm in Austria and the bartender's from Ohio. What is going on? So I think that is so funny that you were able to find a Steelers bar in the middle of Rome. <laughs> I am not kidding you when I tell you every time I travel out of the country, something like that happens. And like this past summer, when I was literally in Denmark, okay, I'm sitting at a table having a conversation. This girl was from Pittsburgh. I hear that. My head whips. I'm like, you're from Pittsburgh. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like what part are you from? And she's from maybe like 30 minutes away from me, but she was like, no. oh yeah, I actually worked as, um, she was a teacher for music at the high school that I went to. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, that's crazy. I was like, my mom works as a registrar and in human resources for said school district. She goes, oh yeah, Kelly. I said, you know, my mother, she said, oh yeah, I worked with her very, very long. She's a super Stop. nice lady. I call my mom. I call my mom. I'm like, oh my word. Do you know this lady? She's oh yeah, she's super nice. It randomly in another country in the middle of Denmark, in the middle of a restaurant. I don't understand how these like parallels happen, but it is, it is so cool. And I, I don't want to know how they happen or why they happen. I yeah. just know I'm glad mm -hmm. they do. Yeah, definitely. Like the world is a big place, but it's super small at the same time. So small. Like so small. I know you've been talking about a lot of positive experiences, but have you experienced any unexpected challenges while traveling? And if you have, how were you able to overcome them? Oh, yeah. I've had, listen, I've had my fair <laughs> share. Traveling is beautiful and it's so exciting. But truthfully, if you are not somebody that can pivot and handle changes. It may not be for you um, because things don't always go according to plan. And so I had true. my largest nightmare experience this past summer. And I, I pray to the Lord that it never happens to me again. But when I tell you, I have never been so frustrated, upset, sad, angry, confused in my life. So basically I was in Greece this summer and my flight trajectory had changed um, right before I left. There were pilot issues, staffing issues. So my itinerary got changed literally the less than 12 hours before I was set to take off. 
So I thought that the way over there was going to be the problem, but boy, was I wrong. So on my way back. I think I remember this story. Uh (laughs) Yeah, it was great. So on my way back, I had to fly from Athens to Montreal, Canada, to Toronto, back to Pittsburgh. So it was already going to be like a 36-hour flight time in total. It was a very, very long travel itinerary. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to complain. I get to be in Greece. I'm going to have a great vacation. I'm going to rest very well on my flights. I'm going to eat well on my layovers. I can get some work done, check my emails so I'm not coming back and overwhelmed. It's going to be fine. So the first leg of my trip went well. I went from Athens to Montreal, no issues. When I got into Canada, I went through customs. Everything was great. So I'm sitting down to eat, getting ready. I have about three hours before I have to hop on my flight from Montreal to Toronto. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get myself some good food. So I go do that, checking my emails, catching up with my friends. Hey, I'm back in the States, calling my mom, letting her know I'm safe in Canada, all that good stuff. And I receive a notification that my flight was pushed back. And it was delayed. I'm like, okay, that's fine. No problem. Because I still had enough time when I landed to go through all the hoops that I needed to jump through before I got on my flight to Pittsburgh. So I'm like, no problem. They delay it by an hour. Cool. They delay it by another hour. Now we're cutting it close. I still wasn't going to miss my flight, but the window of opportunity for me to get to the terminal was this large, not big at all. So I'm starting to internally panic, but I'm like, you know what? As long as I get there, I don't care if my luggage makes it back to the United States tonight or next week. I am getting my butt on that plane. I don't care. So eventually I get on the plane. I land in Toronto. I have like 35 minutes, I think, from the time that I land and we are deplaning to get to the other side of the airport to get on this flight. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care if I have to sprint, I'm doing it. So I start running and I'm sprinting and I'm sprinting. She's a track star. She's a, (laughs) amen. And I'm sprinting. I'm like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm getting on this flight. So I get to the point, you have to change terminals. So I get to the point where I didn't have to go through another like security check because I was already in the international terminal and I was going to another international flight. But I finally got to where I would have to go past the customs agent to show them, hey, I have my passport. I'm still allowed to be, you know, in the international area. I just have to get over to this other little terminal. And there's a man standing in front of it. And he's like, you're not getting on your flight tonight. And not only is he telling me this, he's telling about 200 people behind me the same thing. Like anybody that is here at this point is not getting on their flights tonight. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, my gate is right there. Like I am here. I'm present. I'm not late. The flight gates have not closed. I'm getting on that flight. And he's like, ma'am, our customs agents are gone. Everybody's gone for the day. Nobody can check your passport for validity. They're gone. It was like eight, girl, it was 8 p.m. Okay, 8 p.m. That's crazy. I said, how are they going to go home 
when you still have international arrivals and departures, he said, well, you know, they're, they're very tight on hours right now. This is, this is what's, this is what they did. They, they completely shut it down. So anybody that had flights after 8 PM that night, SOL, you cannot get on your flight. So I'm sobbing. Like I, you know, it's been a long travel day already. I've been stressed out about making it to this flight. I have the caliber to make it on this flight. I can see the freaking gate and I, they're like, you. there's 0% chance you're getting on this flight. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I call my mom. I'm sobbing. I'm like, nobody is giving me any information other than telling me like, I'm, I'm just simply not getting on this flight. So I finally pull myself together. He tells me I have to go talk to guest services. Cool. I walk down to guest services. Guest services says, they pointed you to the wrong area. You need to go up and you need to talk to the customer service agents at the actual Air Canada counter. Okay. Walk up to the Air Canada counter, which mind you was a 30 minute walk. Get all the way up there. They tell me, I can't speak to you. You need to go all the way to the other end and pick up these customer service phones and wait for somebody to answer it. Oh my God. What? <laughs> what? I... I don't have the word. So I'm like, okay. So I go over, I find the customer service phones. I look at this lady who's on the customer service phone. I said, before I pick up this phone, how long have you been waiting? She said two and a half hours. Okay. <gasps> yep. So I sit down on the floor. I pick up the phone. It's a landline phone. So it's not even like you could dial the number and talk to them on your cell phone. You're attached to a cord. So I know I'm going to be sitting there for a while. So I call them two and a half hours later, somebody picks up. And they're like, listen, we can't get you on a flight tonight. We can't get you on a flight tomorrow. We can't get you on a flight the next day. They couldn't get me home for four days. They wanted to send me to Chicago. Mind you, Toronto's here. Pittsburgh's here. They wanted to send me to Chicago over here. Yeah. They always want to send you to Chicago. My layers yeah. are always in Chicago. Yeah. I'm like, ma'am, that is mm -mm. so counterproductive. I am a four and a half hour drive home. No rental cars available. They're all gone from the airport. So it was just a whole mess. And basically she was like, I, if you're not going to take this flight on Thursday, I can't help you. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a hotel for the night. I'm going to collect my luggage because it hadn't been put on the plane because it had to be checked by customs. And I go down to the baggage claim. They try to tell me that my bag isn't there. I'm like, I have an air tag. I'm telling you, it's right over in that, in <laughs> that, that little air area. air tag will there. get them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll send somebody to go look. An hour later, they bring me my bags. I go to the hotel on site at the airport. Online, it says that they're charging $150 a night. I get down there. They tell me it's $545 a night because of demand. So did the I, airline pay for your flight because they delayed no. you? No. Did you request no. that they paid though? Mm-hmm. And I also requested that they helped me with my hotel for the night, right? Because I was like, listen, yeah. like this is not my I I this is not my fault. I was not late, you know? I'm pretty sure it's like legally their duty to do that. And I sent in a little, you know, I sent in a yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. report mm -hmm. for him, but it still has not been resolved. So I digress, but I call my mother and I call my boyfriend who was in Pittsburgh ready to pick me up from my flight. And I'm like, listen, I 
I don't know what to do. I'm going to be stuck here for like four days. And my boyfriend, God bless his soul. He was like, no, you're not. He said, I'm going to leave Pittsburgh right now. I'm going to drive an hour and a half to our house to drop the dogs off. And then I'm going to drive five hours to pick you up. And we are driving back. He said, you are not staying there for four days. And mind you, bless him because he had literally worked like a, it was like a 12 hour day before that. And he works a blue collar job in manual labor as an arborist. So he was heavy lifting all day. He was dead exhausted and still drove the greater part of probably like, I don't know, eight, nine hours to come and pick me up in a foreign country. So that was horrendous. I hope it never happens to me again. That was the most stressed out I had ever been traveling. And I pray that nothing like that ever happens to me again. Yeah, no, that's extremely, extremely traumatic. I have not had any bad experiences like while traveling other than like transportation issues like you, but that one is the worst I've probably ever heard. It truly was like, I felt like I was on an episode of like punked and I was waiting for Ashton Kutcher to come out and tell me just kidding, haha. But truthfully, it was one thing after another. It was a series of unfortunate events. That was my life that day. And it was one thing after Mm -hmm. another. Everything kept going wrong. I would try to find a solution. I would try to take a breath, figure out the next step and the next step would fall through. So very glad that that is all behind me now. And like I said, fingers crossed that that does not happen to me. It doesn't happen to you and does not happen to a single other soul ever again, because I'll tell you, stress. No, absolutely. My flight from hell was my last trip um, when I was going to London and they boarded us and we were about to take off and we like, you know, we're going on the tarmac and then they brought us back and we sat on the plane for four hours and they refused to give us like water or food or anything. Yeah, British Airways can SMD. (laughs) Um, That was horrible, but I did end up getting refunded for a partial bit of my flight so at least at least that and at least I did make it to London and they sped up in the air so we ended up only being like two hours delayed even though we sat on that plane for like four hours and it was so hot they had to turn off everything but still I would take that over what you went through so bless your heart (laughs) either way moral of the story if you can avoid Air Canada or British Airways please do so (laughs) no seriously (laughs) seriously I've I've never had any issues flying Delta or even American when I flew American the TVs weren't working but hey at least they had me in the air so (laughs) right Um, but switching gears here, you talked a little bit about how your very first trip was solo travel. So can you talk a little bit about the what you learned from your experience solo tra- traveling versus what you've learned from your experiences and the overall impact of traveling in a group dynamic or traveling with friends? Yeah, so I think first things first, I recognize that I'm already a very outgoing individual and I'm super outspoken. So I could literally hold a conversation with a brick wall. I always say that, like I could talk to myself for hours, like I can have fun with myself. So I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't concerned in that regard, but Mm -hmm. you know, you always wonder like, am I going to make friends? Am I going to meet like-minded people? And I think going into the experience by myself, I knew that I would make friends and I knew that, you know, I, I can make friends with anybody. I love making new friends. I love exploring new interests and I'm not ever really tied down to, um, you know, a trajected path. Like if I decide I'm going to do something, I'm sticking to it. Like I'm very flexible. 
Um, but one thing that I knew I wanted to do was go into it and try new experiences. And so I was hoping that people would join me with the experiences that I, cause I didn't want to do everything alone. Um, and it ended up, I met a lot more like-minded people than I thought. And a lot mm -hmm. of us had the same interests. I think that's the benefit of going with such a big group is there is truly someone for everyone. You know, if you are somebody that likes to go out and enjoy nightlife, there are people that like to do that. If you're somebody who likes to go to art museums during the day, you're going to find other people that like to do that. And so I think just solo travel requires you to go in with an open mind and being flexible and kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone if you're not somebody that is outspoken and maybe puts themselves out there easily. But I promise 90% um, of people that you're going to encounter are going to be very nice and kind. And um, like I said, I've come away with every single trip that I've taken with a lifelong friend. Um, and so I think it's just the perfect place to do that. And then I will say that was the only trip I ever took solo. Every trip okay. that I've taken since then has been either with friends that I met on that first trip uh -huh. <laughs> who want to continue taking trips or I've taken, you know, my boyfriends or my friends from my regular day-to-day -day life. And it's really beautiful that, you know, you have the opportunity to take a trip alone if there's somewhere you want to go and you know, maybe your immediate friends and family don't want to go with you. You can enjoy that solo and make new friends, or you can take along your friends that have the same passions and drives as you and enjoy those experiences together. But I do think it's also really cool that even when you do take friends with you, it's okay if you guys do different stuff while you're there. Like there were certain instances, even when my boyfriend came with me on his first trip to Ireland, he's been on two trips with me since, but um, there was a small group of guys that went on our first trip to Ireland and all of the guys wanted to go do some sports related thing while some of the girls wanted to go, you know, sip wine and drink beer and listen to live music. And you can do that. You can do separate things. Whatever is important to you, just because somebody comes along with you doesn't mean you have to go on the trajectory that they want to. You can still split up and do your own thing and make the trip enjoyable for the both of you. Definitely. So well put. And I've experienced that too, because on my last trip, Ashlyn be getting down in the club and I am now a grandma. Do I love to <laughs> dance? Yes. But you can catch me dancing in the very less crowded bar in public. You can catch me dancing anywhere on the tables, but I did not want to go to the club. So I let her go on her merry way with some of the other people. And I did my own thing and got my little Aperol spritz and went on my Merry way with them. So amazingly put. When you solo travel, you can always make friends. And I think what we learned from what you just said is if you don't have home friends or if you don't have college friends or if you don't have friends that want to travel the world with you, do not let that stop you from going out there and going by yourself. No. And it's one of those things where like travel has enriched my life beyond like anything that I can mm -hmm. truly put into words. I'll never be able to accurately describe all that it's done for me, but I truly came back from that first trip with this completely new outlook on life. And I felt like I lost myself and found myself all at the same time. And I feel that every single time I step into a new place, I get lost in the architecture and the, you know, small sidewalks and corners and 
hidden gems, but you also find parts of yourself or um, new things about yourself that you didn't know beforehand. And I think it's just such a beautiful way to just move through life. And I feel like people say, you know, being rich always has to do with like monetary things, but I feel like you're really rich when you have those experiences and those things that you've done in your life that like maybe nobody else will had had the opportunity to do or mm -hmm. tried to do or prioritize doing. And so I feel like my life has forever changed. And I know that my life isn't, you know, it's not the most unique in the entire world, but I have done so many life changing things that I feel have made me the person that I am today. And so that's really special too. No, absolutely. And I think that you've given so many great pieces of advice. But my last question to you before we wrap things up is, can you share maybe in a short few minutes what your craziest travel story was or the craziest thing from your trip? Not negative, just like some experience, maybe something that really funny happened, someone really crazy you met on a trip, something of that sort. I have a few. I'm sure that um, some of them are not so appropriate, but um, <laughs> like I have some really off the wall ones. Um, I will say um, not that it's like incredibly negative or things like that, but I will say um, you do have to be careful when you're traveling. And I do want people to recognize that. So I will share this story that I want you to know that you are safe, but you need to be aware of your surroundings. Um, so in one of my favorite places, I was in Paris. Um, and this was during my first trip in 2019. Um, we, a group of us, it was a very small group. Um, we were followed um, by mm -hmm. a group of men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were followed by a group of men. Um, and it was very unsettling, you know, when you just have a pit in your stomach and you know, like something's not right. Um, it was to the point where like we were intentionally like making turns and walking faster and at some points like physically running um, very quickly to get away from this group of people who were very much following us. Um, and it was very unsettling. I won't say it again. It's crazy in terms of like you have to be careful of your surroundings and you have Definitely. to be aware um, so I would always say like safety tip. I know that's not always fun to talk about, but safety tip, definitely, <laughs> no, definitely make sure that even if you are like traveling solo on a group trip or something like that, just be aware of your surroundings. And if you have the opportunity to walk with people, like try not to be by yourself a lot, especially at night. Um, there are definitely a lot of places that are much safer. Um, not saying that Paris is unsafe, but it is definitely somewhere where you need to be a little bit more cognizant. Um, so that was crazy. Um, I've had positive, crazy experiences mm -hmm. as well. Like, um, this past trip, not this past trip, two trips ago when I was in Greece, um, I have a friend too, much like, uh, your friend that loves to go clubbing. Um, I have a friend that also loves to go clubbing. And so we went clubbing one night. Um, and the next night we were still in the same place. So we were in Santorini and the first night we went to a place called town club. Okay. 
And it was an absolute blast. They had a bird cage in the bar, like a life-size bird cage that people were dancing in. So of course I got talked into like partaking in said bird cage, right? So we go out that night. The next night comes around and we had to kind of split our group up because we were such a large group. They had um, a wedding show that night. So the first half of us went the first night, then we went to the club. The second half of our group went the second night. And so I wasn't going to go out at all. I was like, listen, I had a great dinner. I'm going to maneuver myself back to the hotel, get some rest, maybe hang out by the pool a little bit, sip on some wine. But I was not planning on going crazy at all. Um, One of my friends was like, listen, let's just go out for one drink and we'll get listen to some good music and we wanted to go to you guessed it an Irish pub it was called <laughs> Murphy's in Santorini why there's an Irish pub in Santorini I haven't a clue but it was a blast the problem was after our one drink um they were kind of dead at this point in time and the bartenders started giving us free shots and free drinks and so one drink turns into far too many <laughs> and they had a pole in the Irish pub on of top they of do. like, on top of platform. like a spiral. Yes. But it was Girls on love top dancing of like, on platforms. <laughs> they do elevated surfaces. Elevated surfaces. <laughs> but it was so weird because the elevated surface was like on top of this like spiral staircase that went down to like their pool tables downstairs. So you're essentially dancing on top of like this platform spiral staircase scenario. And um, needless to say, we danced to so many ABBA songs. Mama Mia probably played 15 times that night. Um, there was lots of dancing. Um, so many people from our group decided they were going to go on Instagram live all at one time. I, I've never done that before. Why I thought that was a good idea is beyond me. Um, but we all woke up the next morning and we were like, just one drink, never again, never again. <laughs> That's so funny. I did tune in for that Instagram live, but just thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I hope they may motivated some of you listeners to go travel. I know they motivated me. Um, share your travel stories with us via my Instagram or TikTok at Darian Diaries. But Jess, what is one piece of advice for 20-somethings to leave the listeners with today? I think just get out there and explore. For the longest time, I was really just, I don't want to say stuck in my hometown, but I didn't. Um, understand what the rest of the world was like. I had a drive to go out and do like a lot of things and see a lot of great places. But I guess I really didn't have the tools and the understanding as to how I could get there. So take advantage of the resources and the companies that you have at your disposal. Um, you know, talk to people that live the life that you kind of want to live or visit the places that you want to visit because chances are they'll have great travel recommendations. They'll have tips for you um, and things of that nature. But I think it's just really important to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Try something new 
get out there in a place that's unfamiliar and just immerse yourself because it's going to make your life so exponentially rich. That was so beautiful. Um, everyone, Jess has the best travel guides. As I said, I will be linking her info in the show notes. Check her out. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this time with us listeners. I love you all so much. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Darren Alexis, and don't forget to survive and thrive.